Let's be honest, realtors face an ever-changing industry. With emerging tech, growing trends, and a booming market, it's vital to keep up. Join me, Gilbert Gonzalez, CEO for the San Antonio Board of Realtors, as I get real with experts on what realtors need to know in this industry. It's time to get real. With the pandemic and need for social distancing, realtors are having to get creative in how they connect and engage with clients. Today, we're talking with Harrison Beecher, a realtor from Washington, D.C. area, who's had a lot of success in creating meaningful connections in simple yet unique ways. He's going to share his tried and true methods with us. Harrison, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Before we dive into your advice on engaging with clients, I want to give our listeners a little background on you. You're a member of the National Association of Realtors Young Professional Network and a member of the Realtors Magazine's 30 Under 30 Class of 2016. Um, What got you started in real estate in the first place? Uh, Well, I jumped in right after graduating college. I graduated college in May of 2008, got licensed in July 2008, Um, and my best friend's mother, a lady named Sherry Severson, saw a lot of entrepreneurial spirit in me, um, a.k.a. I didn't really have another plan. So she encouraged me to uh, get my license um, and just knew that I had a big network, that I always had kind of a a motor to go figure things out and and, uh, mine for sales and connection. So it was a a great fit initially. Um, But I did also like wait tables and have a DJ business early on that, you know, allowed me to pay my bills while I was building my real estate business. So that was a really big part of me being able to grow confidently without being like, scared of not being able to eat <laughs> that helped early on so one of the interesting things is in georgetown you got your degree um with focus on digital art and photography and theology with a focal focus on social justice do you feel that this career has allowed you to use both of those 100 percent. i mean uh you know one of the jesuit mottos as, as someone that went to catholic school for a long time still ingrained in my head um is care a person i also care for the whole person and for me, like that theology minor that I took uh, really helped me understand the abundance that I've had in my life and realize that as I'm able to grow more and do more, that an important part that I have to do, right, like that's not optional, is finding ways to give back. And that's really helped us grow and helped us, you know, earn more referrals and earn more opportunities because that's at the core of all of our businesses is finding ways to give back, incorporate our community at the center of it. Um, and it's a you know positive reinforcement circle. So when we do it and do well, then more business and opportunity comes. So the, the theology background and social justice is at the core of all of our businesses um, that we have. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. We're talking today a little bit about the idea that you obviously are very comfortable on social media, on this new way of, of marketing and engaging with consumers. Um, and it's not as comfortable for a lot of people, right? So some people have said, oh, COVID has happened, and therefore I can't do my job. What would you say to them? I'd say life still goes on, right? It still has to happen in a lot of ways. Um, human needs have adjusted Right. But the need for housing and need for a place to live has not changed. So uh, if we're at the core of this and if our whole spirit as kind of servant leaders and as folks that are looking to help others with their housing needs, we need to do that at, at a high level. And for our team, we didn't retreat at all. If anything, we've like leaned in even more and doubled down and social media allows us the opportunity to like tell that story and talk about the detail 
within which we're still able to help people. Um, and it's a really natural way to market, right? I think some people get nervous and afraid of engaging with social media because they don't want to be fake, right? They don't want to, like, seem inauthentic or they don't want to, um, you know, present something that might get perceived in, in the wrong way. But my advice to folks now is it has to be a, a, a pivotal and, and integral part of your marketing strategy because consumers, especially millennials and younger, really need authenticity. And, and good social media strategy gives you a chance to authentically share who you are and what you do. Um, and only good things come from telling your story in that way and engaging with your, your spirit. How easy is it? is it to find your authentic voice? What would you tell people on what authentic looks to you? Because some people want to authentic to them looks like the realtor that they're expected to be. Um, and it's not necessarily the realtor that they are. And people will probably love the realtor that they are much better. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Uh, that's such, you said that so perfectly that the realtor that people expect them to be right. Um, and I think with anything in sales, uh, especially with our business as a person-to-person business, like that comes down to a relationship one-on-one. People are going to choose to get into a business relationship with you. They know you, they like you, and they trust you as a professional. Now, the know and like parts are really where I think social media can come in. And that authentic voice with, uh, I'll put an asterisk next to the authentic voice because we're in an election season and there's a lot of, you know, polar things. So maybe not all of yourselves, if some of your views are, uh, more to the, the, the Karen-Kevin extreme, as we said before. But, uh, you know, be, be thoughtful with all of that authentic self. But the common interesting to people like, you know, low-hanging fruit, babies, dogs, food, right? Like the things that everyone else is going to engage with, talk about how you see that. Talk about what you see. Talk about what you enjoy, what you like, and have that as a part of the strategy and showing your business, too. Like it can't be just all personal life and no business, in my opinion, but it also can't be just all business and no personal life. That balance is something that, you know, I think you have to first study models of people that you think are doing it well. You know, you told me we do it pretty decently, but I'm sure folks have folks in their market or somewhere nearby that they see them doing it well. Rip off and duplicate, man. Like, look at what they're doing in the same way. But then the authentic voice is your individual touch, your interest, and what you do, um, and just being thoughtful with how you share it and sharing it systematically. Do you think people should have a business page and a personal page, or you think merge them together? Hmm. I think if you've got, if you're starting, so there's two answers to that. Um, if you are in the position where you're trying to build a brand and sales team or entity that can outlast you, the individual, which was my path, right, where I started as an individual salesperson, built a brand and a team, and eventually I will be out of the everyday production. Like, that is my goal <laughs> and my wife's goal, too, right, to have me out of production. Um, if you have that path, I think having a separate personal and business is wise. So you can have a little bit of separation. But for 99% of agents, right, that are just going to be individual productive agents with one admin, you know, maybe a buyer specialist with them, um, having a personal page where you are thoughtful with the business stuff you share on it can be effective. At the end of the day, you need to share where you have the most connection. You're going to put effort into building more connections, but everybody has, everybody should have some kind of connection, relationship of people they're already connected with in some way. That's where I put the most of my social media effort because those that's that low-hanging fruit. Those are the people that already know you and like you. You just have to change their mind about that trust of the professional. So new agent, personal page, build it out. More established folks trying to build out a team. Uh, say don't be shy with having both a personal page and business, excuse me, yeah, personal and business like we do. Like we got both personal and business pages. So one of the things in doing some research for today and, uh, you know, looking at your examples on social media, which – 
I definitely want to dive into so we can, you know, share that information is that every profile page out there, whether it was um, realtor.com, NAR, Yelp, Twitter, you filled out all the blanks. There was never that empty photo. Your photo was on all of them, sometimes multiple photos. What is your advice to people on making sure that those profiles are filled out at all those free sites? It's validity, and it, it is a free opportunity to tell your story. So, you know, I know some realtors, we joke about some of our more seasoned professionals that have been around for a while and have a headshot, you know, let's say maybe from the Olin Mills, like, 90s mall, you know, over airbrush, right? <laughs> their picture. If they have that in one place and you meet them in person, you're like, who is this dinosaur that doesn't look like their picture in real life? My, my goal with having them all be complete is that when people see me in any space we meet in real life, they're not surprised, right? Like they, they have a pretty good sense of what to expect from what I choose to tell. And then if they want to dig deeper, then when we meet in person, there's not a huge deviation from what I put online to what's me in real life. So I'd argue that everyone should look at you know, all those that you listed, um, build out a presence because it also serves as a digital business card, right? It lets people look up, validate, and do some third-party affirmation and third-party verification that you are who you say you are. And even if you haven't had a ton of sales, uh, records yet, right? Everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a reason or a why that they chose to get into real estate sales. So with our new like agents on our sales team, I'm encouraging them to double down on their passion statement on why they're in the business now. If you haven't sold a couple hundred homes, you've got some reason why you're here now. Like there's got to be a reason people pick you. Like just having your license is not enough. They got 1.4 million other options. So like what's the you? What's the reason that they're picking you? And all these different profiles give you the chance to really tell that story on your own terms. And, you know, it seems so valuable because oftentimes I think realtors will go to events. They will work their sphere of influence by going places and meeting people. So you don't need that photo, right? Because you're meeting people one-on-one. They've already made it. Now, where that's gone, it's seeing what somebody looks like and, you know, filling out all those questions and answering. It's really valuable as opposed to if, if it's not there, then they're not going to see the information. They're going to move on. Or they're going to make assumptions or guess, right? Like what, what I assume when someone didn't fill it out is that that wasn't important to them. And that's a detail. Like with any service provider I use, I immediately look them up on the places where I want to be found. So I'm Googling them. I'm yelping them, right? Like I'm looking up, I'm looking at their other social media pages and seeing what they share. Um, I, I like it if there's some humanity. I like it if there's some real other connection points outside of business. And I like to see that there's some type of proof that other people have worked with them giving them a good rating and giving them a good review and like them. And that is, like, real, too. Like, nothing worse than, like, a fake review or, like, fake pages or, like, people that, you know, pay. I think we talked about this before, but, like, folks that pay others to, you know, completely do their, their social media profiles, it, it, I can sniff it out, right? Like, I can sense if, like, something is fake. <laughs> like, you know, be you. It's super important. So going in a little bit into the idea that, you know, the normal way that people meet is by in person, what have you seen people do to replace the mixers, the open house, the happy hours, the movie nights um, that people used to have? What have you seen to replace that stuff? I mean, people are getting really creative with um, Zoom and other kind of virtual connection opportunities. It's, you know, a little bit into COVID now. So I'm, I'm a little sick of the just everybody on a screen, like drinking like Brady Bunch, right, like with no direction. What I've appreciated folks doing is bringing in an outside professional or bringing in some type of activity along with 
the online connection. So as a sales team, um, we've done a few different things that I think have worked pretty well. One was um, throw these kind of virtual parties, if you will, where we'd have me playing music, because like I said, I used to have a DJ business, so we would, uh, you know, have me playing some music. Um, we would also create separate Zoom rooms, like within the party, where folks, if they wanted to, we had a couple of tri- trivia games in one. Like we were creating things to do together instead of just talking and looking at each other. So I think there's still tons of opportunity to get creative online, but you have to put a little bit more effort into it than just creating the Zoom link and telling people to come into a place, right? I think people that are doing this well now are getting, like, sommeliers or mixologists or chefs or, you know, somebody even had a gardener, right, come on and talk about, like, gardening stuff. Anything that can, like, educate folks right now and, and give them a focal point to talk about and discuss and learn, I think you're going to find some good success with. What do you say to the people, though, who are at Zoom fatigue, right? Like, I don't want to do anything on Zoom anymore. I want to do something that is that that respects the law, right, and and respects social distancing, and I want to engage. I, I know I've heard maybe it's putting your logo on face masks and then dropping them off at people's houses or um, – Anything of that nature? Like, what else have you seen that is not necessarily online but still engages with the consumer? Socially distant, smart social events, right? Say social one more time. Um, for us, we actually went to support a local chef, and uh, right around 4th of July, we hired him to create a bunch of meals that we had our team then deliver to their VIP. Um, people can get thoughtful and creative with this too because it's also creating a shared experience that like if we, we pick the morning and it was like July 5th or 6th right after, um, and we gave our clients a heads up. So this gave us a reason to call and check in with him. This was our VIP client list. So folks had referred us business, but we worked with a couple times. Um, and again, we had a pretty big team. So this was about 250 meals total that we had um, delivered. Um, and you can get thoughtful. You can get lenders and title and other people in our world to help underwrite this cost, right? Like, you can do this together. It doesn't have to come completely out of your pocket. But if you're the organizing body behind it, and then you bring that food to somebody, I call it spreading culinary joy, right? Like, we're helping people with a meal. We're supporting local business. Um, we're checking a lot of boxes off. And another thing that's important is what you actually deliver. So in the box, we gave them a little bit of our swag. We gave them some stickers. There was a little note card that said, thank you so much. Here is the business we're supporting, and here is our social media platform. If you enjoy the food, take a pic and tag us in it, and we'd be really appreciative. We're always here to help, right? Like that message was really well resonated, and just from that one delivery event, I got three appointments personally that have since turned into at least one deal, and the other two are going to be in the pipeline. So, like, that's a way to, you know, be socially distant and be smart. And, we, and to be clear on how we did it, we had our individual sales team members, be masked up, gloved up and everything, pick up prepackaged meals from the chef in his kitchen so that there was no contact with us and the food, and then it was in a stapled bag um, that had, you know, what was on top of it. In D.C., you know, not like Texas, we have people with a lot of different culinary needs, so we had the vegan and the chicken only and, the, you know, the brisket. It wasn't like Texas brisket, but it was good. Oh, well, you're speaking Texas now if you're delivering brisket. <laughs> I know, I know. It was like, a, a good, good. it was good. It was, it was very good brisket, but it wasn't like there are parts that we we do have a vegan culture here. It's growing. It's growing. It's probably not nearly as profound as DC though. So you know one of the you 
I think that a great example of that is also kind of working in with the nonprofits. I know the food bank here has been really stressed out as far as the demand and the need versus their capacity. And I think if brokerages or brokers, agents, even individually can just, you know, use their sphere to help out either just bring donations, drop them off at our office. We'll take them in. I think those are great ideas to use as well. And just being thoughtful, right? If we have connections, if we do our job even moderately right, if we build a sphere, then being one, the one that disseminates information through that sphere can be really valuable, right? And, and that's why I think a lot of people with both social media and with these other efforts we're talking about right now psych themselves out and put too much individual, like, action on their plate and say, like, oh, well, I can't do all of that. And my answer to them is, yes, you can. Like, you can pick up the phone. You can start an email, listserv. You can encourage people to support a thing and coordinate. Like, if we can be good quarterbacks of activity, we don't have to be the one doing it all ourselves. And that's what I think realtors and sales teams that do it right are kind of galvanizers of their community instead of being the one doing everything, you know? So here's a question. Do we, do we focus on the people we know or do we focus our – uh, approach on getting new people to follow our business? I think it's got to be a mix. Your, your raving fans are going to be the best way for new people to get to know you because what raving fans do is in addition to engaging with your content and by them engaging on Facebook specifically um, and also sometimes on, on Instagram and the other platforms, when someone comments or likes or shares ideally – your content has been opened up to their whole sphere, too. So it's like a tree, right? Like here's this one branch that goes off to another branch and to another branch. Um, so I put effort into communicating with the people I know, right, communicating with my sphere. And that's a, you know, a, a secret. But the reason why I'm successful, our team is successful with it, is we've built up a lot of real and organic connections over, you know, between me and my business partners and our team page is conservatively like fifteen to 18,000 that are real and, and, you know, both local and all over. Um, and what we judge is not just that we have a lot of those connections, but if I post a – like I posted for an open house over the weekend, um, and in my Instagram story, I saw that it had over 600 engagements, right? And that was, you know, people that saw it, and we probably had about another 20 respond to me and like 15 shared it themselves. So that shares it to their whole sphere, too. And I know that, like, my people support me because they're past clients, they're friends, they're family. They want to see us do well, but they also love cool real estate content. So if I'm sharing cool and interesting and engaging real estate content, it gives them an impetus to share beyond just, ooh, hey, I'm an awesome salesperson. Come send me business, right? I focus on the narrative and the cool, engaging stuff that I know they're going to want to share, and I share that with my people, and then that kind of galvanizes them to be my raving fan and share to their people and their people share with their people, you know, like it kind of goes exponentially if you're thoughtful about what you share. And, you know, that doesn't come naturally to everybody, but I think if you spend a little time studying and just notice engaging things for you, um, you know, you can R&D, man, rip off and duplicate. Do you think that there is a, a fine line between the postcards people send like do we do you still send postcards do you still send emails or, or have you focused completely on social media communication because you say communicate so what does communicate mean to you how do you communicate with your with your group so since i've got my my sphere and my, my group of connections um already paying attention to what i do like i have established myself marketing is all about mind space right 
in, in my sphere and, and a lot of people that may just come across me quickly, they know right away that I do something in real estate and I've got the evidence of success to show that I do it well. So for me, by just sharing what I'm doing daily, weekly, monthly on my Instagram story, on my Instagram profile, on my Facebook page, on my Facebook business page, my connections, see it, know it, like it, share it. To supplement that, we do have a monthly newsletter. Um, that monthly newsletter goes out to everybody that's in our VIP, our kind of current client list, our past client list. We also have a lot of agents on it as well. And then any new lead that comes in, we have them automatically added to our newsletter list as well. And we find that the newsletter list, email newsletter, is a great supplement to, like, synthesize and put everything in one place. The open rate, you know, most – if an email newsletter gets, you know, 8% open rate, like, that's good. Ours is generally around, like, 20%. Like, we get pretty good engagement. And that's mostly driven by – I can't take credit for that. My partner, Keith, um, has come in and in two years had over 190 transactions in, in two and a half years. So he's done a, a lot transactions and a lot of them are first time buyers and their emotion they just love him right because they've done so much so anything with his name on it or our team name on it they engage with more and love and open and share so we have a higher open rate than your average but also i work with our marketing coordinator to make sure that at the top of it there's a message there's a cool picture of us it's a beautiful property there's something in it that makes you want to scroll right like that that's how i judge that newsletter then in terms of postcard or actual snail mail we have not actually done um, really any of that since we had a new signature listing um, at the beginning of this year. We did a little bit of mail right around it, right before the open house. Um, and that was more of how I did my mail in the past, was to drive open house traffic and to market listings, but to market listings to sellers in that neighborhood to try to get more listings. Like, I don't market listings to sell the listing, you know, because it's going to, in our market, buyers are going to engage and buy it because it's found it online. I market listings to get sellers to like me and to get calls about other listings. So we don't do it as much. Um, but for this last wave we've had in this month, in August, I've got my admin planning to do a couple mailings strategically in September. So social media platforms, which ones do you use? My sphere, my connections, the people that engage with me most are on Instagram. So I spend the most time on that. Um, then behind that would be Facebook. Um, I do most of my Facebook personal page, but we've got both a Facebook business page for the team, and I have a previously, because, you know, this new team I just started in 2019, I had my other sales team from, like, 2014 to 2019. So I had about 1,600 good real followers on this other page that is now, like, co-branded me and the team. So I'm thoughtful with two to three posts a week on that business page, and then on my personal page it's generally another four or five posts, but I spend most of my time in the story feature. So my Instagram story and my Facebook story, because that's what people are looking at daily. And I find I get the most direct messages and inquiries um, from that. So Instagram first, Facebook second. So I'll admit it. I'm new to stories. So stories is the video content that comes along with all of these posts, right? So it's not necessarily the posts, but there's, they're the short videos. So Instagram stories is what uh, Mark Zuckerberg ripped off of Snapchat, right, where it was like the 24 hours of content. It can be videos. It can be pictures. Um, but it's in little, you know, 20 to 30 second max segments that stay up only for 24 hours um, and then go away. I, I Also, they just added a new thing called Reels, which is kind of like TikTok, because the TikTok algorithm, I got to admit, I'm not. I'm a lurker on TikTok. I haven't really engaged to post content on TikTok, but it is. I, I, 
as a nerd of like social media and marketing, their algorithm is brilliant because if you spend a minute on there, the next couple things they show are just like so engaging. And that's why Instagram copied that same algorithm because they have the eyeballs. And now they're doing a real thing too that like gets you, like if you open it up, it just automatically goes to the next and the next and the next. And you're just trapped. Um, you're like, oh, that's another cat video. Oh, it's another talking dog video. You know, like you get. Yes, that, that's the interesting part is that they give you the content you want. How often, you know, that can sound overwhelming. Right, like, oh my God, how am I supposed to, how do I get into that algorithm or how is my content engaging? But first off, how often do you post? Like how much of your time do you spend doing this to the point where you have a schedule perhaps or how do you manage that? So I got a, a setting calendar reminder for me between 7.30 and 8.30 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And the exact my title I give it is what it is and what it should be at the best is storytelling on social media. And I put that from Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7.30 to 8.30. Um, lately, because we've had so much success with closings and people purchasing properties, like July 2020 was my best month ever in 11 years, which is just wild <laughs> in the midst of COVID. So we had a lot of closings. And quite a few of them had an interesting story. And I focus on writing in my posts, not, not just in my Instagram story, but a post with a picture or a couple pictures of that story in the detail. Um, and I think what's important about those posts doing well is that they focus on the people we helped, right? It focuses on the human element, the interaction, like what they did, but then also how our team supported them in doing it. And that's a really different frame from a marketing standpoint, especially with real estate, because I feel like historically in real estate, it was always about me, 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 top producer, I'm great, I sold this, I sold that. But when you change the frame a little bit and tell the story, I can't tell you, like from my Two posts I did last week about closing. I have an appointment at 6 o'clock tonight and 8 o'clock tomorrow with people I didn't know at all. They're like, hey, I love your Instagram post. That was inspiring. I'd love to work with you, right? So for me, I schedule that out three days a week. But then I spend probably another two to three hours a day, again, it's because it works for me and I get a return, on my story content total that I am both posting which is some new stuff, which will be either like listings or funny things or lifestyle stuff or food or sports, um, and engaging with other people's stories, which is another part of this equation people got to keep in mind, that you can't just use social media to scream out. Social media at the best is the conversations back and forth. So schedule out your posts. Do them in the morning before the rest of the day hits you. When you have time, plan time to go into the story feature, share stories, engage with other people's stories. And then I keep it simple. I pretty much share almost the same text that I would share on my Instagram story on my Facebook page. I have it aggregate and post most of the time directly. When I post on Instagram, I post on Facebook at the same time. So I save a step because I've got a slightly different crowd there. Um, some A lot of overlap, but sometimes it's you know mostly my older folks that are engaging on Facebook and my younger folks that are engaging on Instagram. So, you know, you, you said it saves you time. I think some people are going to hear you spend two hours on a post and say, that's just insane. Why do you, and, and I think people need to, I, I hope they'll go and check out your Instagram. You'll have a photo. It's usually of the, the couple or the person who's bought the house in front of the house or at closing with a key. Um, and then you go into the, to the process with them, like what they were looking for. This is it. They're super excited, or this is the neighborhood that they've wanted to live in forever. Um, you kind of build that connection. I mean, it's not just, uh, 
so happy for my clients. That's why it takes you so much time. Why? Why? How would you convince people that the two hours is worth it? And and I guess let me clarify that it's normally not two hours total in writing it out. Even though my grammar sucks, I'll write it out in thirty minutes and I'll see if <laughs> go back okay. and fix it later. So um, people are going to get really excited to hear that. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rarely right the first time. And, and my wife was a, a communications major in college, so she will help. And she'll be like, "Dude, typo, fix it." I'm like, "Ah, but I have so much good story in my brain. I want to get it out." Um, I think you have to do that in so much as you're comfortable with it, right? Like, that's not going to work for everybody in that same way. But I'd argue that people starting out should probably add a little bit more detail than they think, right? If you can have some incremental growth and improvement about the detail that you share, it's going to be better. And it doesn't have to be the two hours a day. What I'm talking about for the hours a day is generally in the story feature where I'm posting or engaging with people's story. And a lot of that's fun, too. Like, that's how I, you know, I'm staying connected with folks. And, and another hack with that is by me engaging with my sphere and their stories, when I do get the chance to work with them or have an appointment or talk about business, because I'm watching their stories and I know what's going on, I can not creepily comment on something that they may have done recently. Like, I can't say, like, oh, hey, nice new outfit you wore, like, two weeks ago. That was nice. But I can say, oh, you took a cool trip, <laughs> and that was fun, and I had this food here. Right? So, like, be thoughtful about your level of uh, <laughs> spying around is the right word, but paying attention to what's happening in people's lives. That's what the story feature, and that's where more of the time in my story is spent. They're probably only 30 to 45 minutes with typing at most for the story. At the very least, we hope no one will comment on clothing two months after the fact because we know that's not good. You got to be current. You got to be relevant. It's got to be, I mean, two hours now that I say it out there, if you, if most people go to their phone and time their screen time, I mean, it's six hours a day, the amount of time that people are on their phone. So it's not that shocking. But to stress this idea of engagement, social media means social. It's back and forth. You can't just use it as a billboard and put it out there. How in, I mean, you, you like comments, you'll comment on other comments, or if someone comments on your post, you engage that way. Tell us a little bit about why it's important that it's engagement and not just a simple billboard. Absolutely. No, I mean, because you got to think. I, I'll explain it this way. If someone took the time to read my stuff, Write, write on my stuff, share my stuff, of share anything that I posted. I want to at least thank them. They make it easy where you can double tap and heart it, like that's the minimum level. But I think the next level that people appreciate is when I go back and say thoughtfully, like, thank you so much for sharing it. Like, it means a lot that you engage. So it's crazy the power of a couple sentences um, because you never know if someone, like, in terms of what's going on in their life, especially right now with COVID, if you saying thank you to them um, – you know, can make their day better, make them feel better. Like, there's a lot of power in the connection. I think social media as a tool, when it's used best, does that. It gives people a, the way to stay connected to other humans. Um, so it's super important that when people are engaging with your content that you acknowledge it. Um, and also, as you're out there spending time on social media, don't just lurk, don't just look, like, comment, be positive, be thoughtful, and do something more like my, my favorite thing to say is on someone's birthday, don't just write HBD, right? Like that shows you didn't care. Happy birthday. Hope you have the most amazing day. You're an awesome human. And I love that time we did this in college. Whatever, like, right? Like those extra sentences, like if nothing else, I think it, uh, social media 2.0 is the power of a couple sentences. Right? A couple sentences can go a long way. And it's not saying you write a million couple sentences, but if you go and write 10 more engagements beyond just a couple words or a thumbs up a day, 10, right? 
I, I challenge everyone that over the course of time, like the engagement you're going to have, the way people engage back with you and share your stuff will increase exponentially. So you talked earlier about the hack on um, how you post on Instagram and it get, feeds into Facebook. Um, I think there's some people who are probably saying this is a lot of time. And where am I going to get all that content? I've seen that you, you'll post on um, new listings, garage conversions, updates for COVID testing. Um, you, you will even give advice about, hey, there's a storm coming, clean your drain, right? So where do you get this content? Where would you tell people to go who are like, I can't come up with all this original thought. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just not that creative. What is your advice to them? Sure. Uh, blow people's minds. Some of the wealthiest people that like get revenue from their social media accounts are these like reposting meme accounts. They spend so much time curating content as opposed to creating it. So at a, at a smaller level, um, I think people can look at both their local real estate boards page is a, as a great first start. You can look at local news outlets that you trust. You can look at um, NAR's got such awesome content on NAR.realtor, NAR Research. Um, Realtor Magazine has really good content. Um, you know, Forbes, New York Times, LA Times, Chicago Tribune, uh, Miami, like a lot of like newspaper profiles from around the country have really cool stories and architectural digests, right? Like people love beautiful homes. Um, I've got a list that I've shared with my team about like our hyper local, like real estate blogs and websites. Um, you can just regurgitate some of that content. Always give credit where it came from. Don't ever post something that someone else is and like say that it's yours. But like social media makes that easy now. You just got to tag them. Just put at wherever you got it. So it takes a little bit of time to curate it locally. But I think that Sabor would be a great first start for folks. I'm sure y'all got some good people you're connected with. So you mentioned um, the uh, Architectural Digest and how they've also switched to doing videos. And we talked about this. It's, it's like this fancier version of MTV Cribs, right? It's very nice with a little bit of humor in there. What video or photo? I mean, what do you think consumers prefer? They want to see a picture and read, or do they want to just click on something and watch a 30 second, two minute video? I think if you're doing video, it's got to be good. I think there's, there's a smaller margin for error with photo. <laughs> so I'm talking about what the people are creating out the gate. Start with photo and work your way up to video. <laughs> That's what I'd say. If you're creating video content, it's got to be good if it goes in your post. If it goes in your story, which is the everyday thing, that can be selfie, that can be handheld, that can be authentic, that can be a little bit more raw. But um, I'd argue that a good profile has a mix of both, especially on Instagram now because they give you the photo option, the real option, and the IGTV option. Um, IGTV is awesome because it allows you to put longer videos up. So, um, you know, I think out the gate, people should probably start with creating their own photos. But then if you're engaging another professional, like if you hire someone to shoot professional photos and videos of your listing, which everybody should do, you should not shoot them yourself, hire somebody, make them look good, it, it, it blows my mind. When you put up crappy listing photos, like no excuse, because um, they're not that expensive and they make a difference. If you have someone, that's a professional that's created some content for you, share that content, right? Share it. So, you know. Be, be thoughtful with what you share, you know what I'm saying? And don't put out stuff that, like, looks bad. And, and that's objective, but, like, study, like, what looks good and what has engagement. The highest, you know, grossing and most popular social media pages have beautiful photos, have beautiful videos. They're thoughtfully done. Um, yeah. 
which 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 we know now we we don't have to make it all original we can just uh, repost give credit um but you talk about hiring somebody to take photos would you ever use a service uh i know when i go to nar conventions i've seen the services there are people you can hire to do the social media posting for you. Would you ever recommend someone get started on that, especially someone who's new to the business and, and maybe doesn't have um, that huge knowledge base just yet? I think if you get someone to consult and help you with the post, that's better, in my opinion, than just paying somebody to post for you outright. Because if someone's posting for you outright, you have no individual or personal engagement with it, there's a pretty big gap between just the cheap posting services and, like, the consultants that, like, help you do it in your own voice. Um, if resources allow the consultants to help you do it in your own voice, they make it look great because they're going to make sure all the photos, all the videos, all the, all the copy, everything is, like, cohesive and together, whereas some of the other cheaper services, like, I feel like there's a couple that, like, do, like, newsletters like this, and you probably have this in your market, too, where, like, on Thursday at noon, everyone that has this newsletter service sends out the same generic newsletter that and I know isn't them. And I'm like, this is trash. I'm unsubscribing from you right away. And I don't, you don't want people to have that same feeling when they look at your social media that it's pre-canned, that it doesn't have any authenticity or, or individual content. So out the gate, I think you need to study folks. Um, and, and a hack that we talked about before is look at some young people in your life, man. It's like find, some, find a, a hungry 15, 16, 17-year-old who is a – digital native and speaks social media as their primary language to help you with some of that content you're putting on. I guarantee if I'm ever walking down the street, I need somebody to take a picture of me and my friends, I go and try to find the, the you know, 13 to 16-year-old girl walking by because she's going to take an amazing picture with a cell phone because that's how they live. That's their whole life. That's their language. So um, look for some young folks nearby or even college interns like we've used before. That's probably a better option than, like, paying thousands of dollars to a service unless that service is, like, consulting you on doing it authentic voice. You can always tell because they're going to check the framing. They hold the, f the phone a little bit higher to make sure it's the good angle. Hold on, hold on, you need the light over here. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So what – is there anything not to do? Like, what do you think are the pitfalls? Don't do this. This is um, something you should avoid. Don't write in all caps. I don't know who I need to say this to, but, like, people that write in all caps, you're screaming at me. And it doesn't make it more exciting, and it doesn't make me, like, remember it. So listen to the people that also <laughs> all caps on their listings and on their social media posts. Do not write in all caps. That's number one. <laughs> so when they write attention, yeah, they're yelling at you, attention! Oh, it's like, dude, stop screaming. I get it. Uh, then the other part is just be thoughtful and know your audience in terms of political, um, you know, more divisive slash, you know, issues that might excite people. Know your audience. Um, I know my DC audience. I know the majority of the folks I engage with. So I am not afraid to share some of my views on politics and world events, right? I'm never talking down to people who disagree with me. I'm very thoughtful with anything I share. I'm not saying that anyone else is wrong. I want to share why I think of something. But that's also the same approach I take to marketing, right? Like if I can articulate clearly my thought, my vision, my understanding, that's a really different thing than yelling out like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> like, so don't be a this sucks person because anyone can say this sucks, but a smart marketer, a thoughtful person, a good business person can articulate their support for something without talking down to the detriment of something else. So, you know, be careful with that, especially in 2020. Um, and then also you've got to build in some consistency. So don't have 
a week of doing stuff all day and all night and then go ghost for a month, right? Your, your connections are going to be used to looking forward to seeing your content and coming back to engage with you. And if you go away, um, they're going to not look to you. And the algorithms, too, is an important part in social media. If you're not readily posting stuff, um, and it, at least I'm not saying every day, but like you see, the best pages that have the most engagement are posting three, four, sometimes five times a week. So if you're trying to build it up, it's going to take a groundswell of energy and inertia and activity out the gate. And then once you've got the followings, you can be a little bit more strategic and, and spread them out. So, yeah, those are my things. Don't be, in all caps, <laughs> don't be too political or over the top and don't talk down to people. And then build in some type of consistency in terms of the action of what you post so folks know to come back and get more stuff from you. You know, those don't do sounded like great places on where to start. And that was going to be my next question is the, the person who's listening right now, where do they start? And that sounds like a good list. Is there anything else you'd say, though, to the person who's listening and saying, all right, I'm ready. I'm going to jump in. Where do I begin? Study the profiles that have good engagement now. that's I mean, that's a, I mean, social media, and it's a big country, right? So there's a lot of different places that people work and can live and operate. And that's what I love about NAR and my involvement with NARYPN is this true abundance mindset. Like, I know if you spend a little bit of time looking at people's real estate profiles, look up the hashtag real estate, realtor, you know, whatever your SA realtor, right, San Antonio realtor. Like, look up who's doing it well in your market. Compliment them on it. Compliment them on it. Say, man, you're, I, I love your profile. You've got great content. I look forward to staying connected with you and what you do. If you come at somebody first with a compliment, then they're going to be like, oh, thank you. That's so nice of you. And then you can say, hey, your profile is really awesome. Okay, you mind if I ask you a couple questions about it? Come from curiosity. And if you come from curiosity, especially in the social media space, I think people will be pleasantly surprised with the response that they get. Because my mind is if you look at my page and want to try to copy what I do verbatim, it won't make sense because that's my voice. That's not your voice. But if you come and ask and say, oh, hey, how'd you do this or how'd you think about it? We love talking about it, especially people that are good at marketing and good at sales. They have an abundance mindset. They're not going to be afraid. And it's not a secret. Like, I'm putting it out there to be consumed by everybody. So, of course, it might be copied. But spend a little bit of time early on studying um, and then build out that schedule like we talked about. Out the gate, I think it needs to be at least three to four days a week if you're starting from scratch. If you already have a following, build in, I'd say, a minimum of probably three days a week of some type of content you're either curating or creating, um, and, and do it every week. And if you take a week off, then come back and do more the next week, but, you know, be thoughtful. Um, and one app we didn't talk about is Hootsuite. Hootsuite is a, is a product that allows you to schedule outposts, uh, more so on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I believe they have an Instagram plugin as well, but that can, if you're going on vacation or the idea of posting every day freaks you out. There's tons of, of products that can let you schedule future posts, and that's probably a good place for some people to start who aren't, you know, as disciplined with doing something three days a week. Where that way it happens without you having to do it every time. Harrison, it sounds like the association has given you a really good, strong foundation on meeting people and being curious. How important has the association and the, y the YPN um, experience been for you? Man, that YPN energy has really helped me become a better business person, a better friend. Um, it's really embracing that abundance mindset. Like, I think when you take a step up, right, like we all have our everyday sales and the people we connect with. First, connecting with your local association can help give you some perspective and connection locally, right, Let you see that, man, 
what I'm thinking, what I know, what I feel. I have other peers that are doing this and feeling it locally. And an advantage of getting involved locally is when it's a multiple offer, it's a competitive scenario. If there's somebody I've engaged with or met through association stuff, and I am the conduit between them and my client in accepting a deal, I'm going to feel better about someone I've had some engagement with through through a local event. If I've seen them show up, they're an RPAC major investor. Like, there's things that I can know and say about them that I don't know or say about people I've never met or seen before. So uh, the phrase I say all the time is when you make your world bigger, nothing bad happens from it. And I think our realtor associations at the core are an opportunity for us to come together as sales professionals, as realtors, as folks that have this higher calling and want to do better and do more. And at each level, I've continued to step up in leadership seeing the personalities, businesses, their minds, their strategies, the things that they do. I learn from them so much. I'm a sponge. And then I take and incorporate things that I learned from my friends in Chicago, even my friends in San Antonio, right? Like some of my best friends are uh, there at Sabor, and, and we have a great collaborative relationship where we're sharing and growing together. And I would not have seen that or known that even existed without first getting involved locally, then at my state, and now at national. So and I think nothing bad happens from making that world bigger and building connections. I, I just wish I had done it earlier. That's my biggest thing. I just I started in, like, 2014. Um, with association stuff, but I've been in the business since really 2009 full-time. So I had like five years of just trying to figure it out, and I was stumbling. And I was a hustler, so I was doing okay. But had I gotten into this circle earlier and had some of these ideas, it's, it's just wild to think what more I could have been doing, you know. Well, Harrison, thank you for making our world a little bit bigger by coming on and talking to us a little bit about uh, how to continue to engage with consumers and each other during these times of COVID. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure. love what y'all are doing at Sabor. If you ever need me, always down. And I want some of that brisket and uh, some cheese puffs next time I come down, too. I'll, if you come down, we're taking you, or I'll take it to you in D.C. next year. So <laughs> have a good one. Thank you. Thank you so much. The ability for realtors to continue to connect with the community is still available. It just might be in a different platform than we're used to. But now is definitely not the time to ease up on your marketing. If anything, it's the right time to get out there and get creative. And if you're looking for content to share, you're always welcome to spread the link for this podcast on every platform you use. You'll have no objection from me.